This is quite unusual, isn't it? We are back for the Pitch Podcast, Adelaide United family. Jared Walsh here after another successful weekend in the Isuzu Ute A-League men's competition. We got the job done. Very, very late goals, though, and it was a fantastic victory over the weekend against the Newcastle Jets and the uh, Liberty A-League women. Got three points against the Wanderers, so uh, a great weekend and a good time to welcome you all back. Trust you had a fantastic new year and you stayed COVID-free. Um, a man who hasn't stayed COVID-free is um, our next guest on the podcast, Joe Gauchy. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks for having me. This is great um, because you are our first keeper to uh, have a chat to on the podcast and you love podcasts, so we've really set the uh, bar high. Are you nervous? Uh, slightly, but no, I'm excited. Right. Well, the way this works is I ask lots of naive questions, and we got some fan questions later on, um, which we'll get to. There's a heap of fan questions as well. Talk about the match on the weekend because it was a roller coaster of emotions with um, us struggling for a bit. And then uh, basically in the last 10 minutes, everything went our way with Nesta scoring an, an amazing free kick goal and doing incredible backflips. Um, and then Ubus, Ibusuki doing uh, what he is paid to do, which is fantastic and he's consistent. What was it like from your angles? It was, uh, yeah, like you said, a roller coaster of a game. I mean, by all means, it wasn't our best game. Um, I think we started quite slowly. We're pr- probably lucky to be in at halftime nil-nil. Um, you know, obviously not great to concede a goal and, and go behind, but I think it just shows the character that we have. I think we've showed it in plenty of games this year that we will keep going right until the end. And and that's what we did. The boys that came off the bench had a had a massive impact and for Nesta to score, I was I was so pleased for him and I mean what a goal. <laughs> it was amazing. And in the broadcast, as you just mentioned as well, it was the, the three subs which had the impact. So Nesta scores the goal. Um, Josh provides the cross to uh, Hiroshi, who scores the goal as well. So mm. this is a really good sign that the, the players need to be at their ready when they are sitting on the bench waiting for an opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're going to need a whole squad, especially with COVID as well. We've got constant changes coming in, coming out. So, you know, we've got boys that are coming back from COVID that can't run out 90 minutes just because of the, you know, the physical impact that COVID has on your body. So... You know, even I felt it as a keeper and, you know, I do very little running. So it's, it's going to need everyone. You're going to need people coming off the bench to, to do a job. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they did it, didn't they? It was fantastic, the changes that were made. The boys that came on, I think it changed the game for us and we looked like we were on the front foot and we're putting them under pressure, which I think, you know, in the first half, I don't think we did that enough. Nesta spoke after the match for broadcast on Paramount and for a 15-year-old kid, he spoke extremely well. Extremely and well you would think that he'd been in the league for a very long time. Yeah. What can you tell us about him, um, a, bit, a bit about his life? And, I mean, he's 15 years old, mate. It's it's unreal. It's crazy. Um, no, I think he's a super confident kid. Um, he loves getting the ball and running at players. Um, and he just – he has no fear. He's, he's so fearless. For, for someone of 15, I think if I was playing in the A-League at 15, God, not be as confident as him. He's – He's just, yeah, like I said, so confident in training as well. He just loves getting the ball, running through past as many players as he can. Um, and like Carl said post-game, he just he hits free kicks pretty much every day after training. I mean, and it's, it's paid off. It's, um, yeah, off the pitch as well. He's he's uh, he's coming to his own, I can say, in the, in the change room. He's um, quite outgoing. Um, and, you know, he speaks to everyone. He's, he's very confident off the pitch as well, so... Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one for me because I think it was two years ago, not even two years ago, he was playing against my brother. 
in the under 18s. Yeah. And uh, then he came into the change room and my, my brother said, oh you, oh, you know Nesta? I was like, yeah, I know Nesta. He's like, yeah, he was that really fast kid that I was playing against, you know, last year. I was going, oh, you know, really? Yeah. So it's just it's so weird because you know, he's playing. I think that year he went from the under 15s, played in the 16s, played in the 18s, and then he was playing in the reserves. And mm. then, you know, he broke into the our MPL first team last year. So it's been really quick for him, but... I'm so pleased for him. He really deserves it. Do you think there needs to be a level of understanding though? Because we talk about his pace and that's the first thing that people say. Mm. What I love about him is his pace, but you can't just rely on that when you're a footballer. I, it probably reminds me a little bit of when Mo Toure came on the scene as well at a similar age. He was just really quick, mm. but there's a lot more to becoming a footballer and holding your position. Yeah, you can be fast, but you need to do more with it. So yeah. um, Nesta showing the different layer of what he can do with free kicks and also good. he's really good on the ball. So I'm sure he maturing wouldn't want to just be known for his pace because he needs to you know get yeah. strong. Again, he's 15, yeah. but it provides that exciting element of being a footballer, but he's got a lot of growing to do too. Yeah, no, definitely. I think as much as what you do on the ball with your pace and going past players – it's also what you do off the ball, um, you know, in our in our shape and how we press and things like that. So there's a lot more understanding to just getting the ball and, and trying to run at people and score goals. So I think if he can develop in that sense, which he will, you know, he's got so much time on his side. Um, you know, you only think in three years' time, three years of development in the A-League, he's only going to be 18. And he's still going to be one of the youngest players in the league and yeah. you know, he can he can be very dangerous. Hiroshi comes into the club after we say farewell to Ben Halloran and myself as a supporter and someone who's so passionate about the club, it's really nervous when Ben left because he obviously needed to follow his, his dreams and he loves Korea, which is mm. great. But then you think, wow, this guy's been the consistently one of the best, if not the best players for the club, and he officially was last season. But then Hiroshi comes on and scores in his first game for us and then scores on the weekend. Um, he's providing a presence, but also um, he's showing what he's been signed to do. And he's yeah. also seemed to really fit in well into the dynamic and culture of the group. Would that Massively. be accurate saying? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, you know, I think he, he played in Spain for a period of time as well. So he, I think his Spanish is, is very good. So he fits into the, the changing good with the Spaniards that we have. Um, his English is good as well. Um, so no, he's fit straight into the group. Really, really humble, down-to-earth guy. Um, and, you know, on the field he's doing the business as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's a great presence, a great relief for us when we have the ball under pressure. If we can just find him, you know, in the air, he's... Is a machine. His timing wins the wins every ball. You know, makes my goal kicks look so much better than they actually are because <laughs> he flicks it on another twenty meters, and I'm going, oh, that's that's a good kick. But yeah, yeah, no, like you saw that for the second goal. You know, it's just just from a goal kick, just kick into an area, and and he just wins it. And then you know, second, third ball, and we score a goal. It's just massive presence up front for us this Friday at Cooper Stadium another double header and it's uh, it's a big match as well because it's on my birthday so thank you very much to uh, the A-Leagues for scheduling matches on my birthday um, uh, so if you want to send presents just send them to Adelaide United and thank you on behalf of me and my family <laughs> Sydney FC are a really interesting side because mm. uh, they have been the best side in the competition for the past five years Yeah, um, but they're going through a period of transition at the moment as well they've got a lot of injuries they've got a lot of big players out but probably the strength that they have had over the past couple of seasons is that injuries don't really bother them because no. they've got such a strong lineup. So yeah. it's great that we're in form at the moment, but you can't take a Sydney FC lightly, can you? No, not at all. I mean, I think one of my, my third or fourth game was Sydney FC at home. Um, and it was, you know, massive game, massive nervy game for me personally. But you can never take them lightly. I mean, they have quality. 
and even their young players that come in, um, they do a job. You know, they, they've obviously trained in, with them, been in their system for a period of time, so they know their roles and responsibilities, and and they come in and do well. Um, I think every every club has their their period at the top, and, and I think they're just going through a bit of a yeah, like you said, transition transition phase at the minute. But they're still picking up results. Um, they're still playing good football and they're still scoring goals. So, you know, there's still a dangerous side that we have to be wary of. Um, but I think at home, you know, if we, if we play our best, we'll, we'll beat anyone. Your journey is fascinating, mate. I want to start at the beginning and then we'll get to the past 18 months, which yeah. for being a goalkeeper at Adelaide United has just not been an easy <laughs> road for anyone. Um, no, so right. tell us about your football journey. Um, well, I actually started playing football um, in New Zealand. Uh, I spent seven years uh, living in New Zealand from four to 11. Whereabouts in New Zealand? Uh, on a little island in the, it's called the Hierarchy Gulf. You, you weren't born there Portland. or anything? You no, I was born in Australia. Right. Um, so from four to 11, I uh, grew up in New Zealand on a little island called Waiheke Island in wow. the Hierarchy Gulf. Yeah, it's probably, I'm not sure the population is growing now. Um, I think when I got there, it might have been five, six, 7,000 people. Uh, no traffic lights, just no fast food. Very. Just, just your family situation that took you over there? Yeah, just yeah. my immediate family, mum, dad, brother. Um, yeah, just proper island life. Um, yeah. So naturally in New Zealand, started uh, started playing rugby. Um, at the time, I wasn't as tall as I am now. I was quite small and didn't really fancy getting getting hit around. So after, after one year, I transitioned to football and naturally, as you do, become a striker. Um, you know, and then the next year I ended up in goals somehow. So, you know, one end to the field to the other. I think it was uh, – I made one save and I think it was a school holiday clinic. Um, <laughs> you know, I think one of the older boys, one of the older lads had a shot. He might have been 13 at the time. Okay. Uh, he had a shot and I saved it and he said, oh, you should be a goalkeeper. I thought, all right, I will. And then uh, here I am, still <laughs> still stuck in goals. But, yeah, so I spent two, three years playing there, came back to um, came back to Australia. When I was 11, started my junior career at Cumberland United. Uh, played there for all the way through to 16s. Um, but in that time period, uh, I was in the state team as well. So I was in the under-14 state team, then transitioned into the 15 NTC with Carl. Um, and being a keeper, we could be dual registered. So it meant that on the Saturday, I'd play in the under-18s with the NTC with Carl. And then on the Sunday, I'd play for Cumberland okay. with this team that I didn't train with throughout the week. It was just to get some more games. So you just rocked up and you're like, here yeah, I am, guys. Yeah, like, yeah. Who's this bloke? Uh, keeper. Yeah, you're in. All right, sweet. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that was just how it was. Um, but yeah, then then I, uh, after NTC, I moved to uh, West Torrens Bacala um, and played under 18s there. Um, and then the next year was coming into the reserves um, and the first game of the season. Um, a good mentor and friend of mine, Julian Torres, and uh, got injured, um, and I got my opportunity to play play MPL first team, um, which I think I was 16 at the time. So I was really just thrown in the deep end and sink or swim. And um, I had you know a good group of support around me and teammates and coaches, and you know I ended up playing I think the majority of the season. And then yeah, then the following year, halfway through that MPL season, I went to um, Central Coast Mariners. Um, signed a scholar there, spent a, spent a year there, and after a year, um, they didn't re-sign me. Um, so I came back to Adelaide and needed, needed games, hadn't played many games, had a bit of bench experience in the A-League. Um, I think I was 18 at the time then. And, yeah, came back and I think played 10, 11 games for, for Adelaide City here locally, um, which was good just because I needed, I needed consistent game time in a key sort of period where 
you need to play games. I was could you can only do so much training. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to to sign with Melbourne City um, on another one year scholar. Um, and then yeah, that was the the fun COVID season with all the breaks and stoppages and things like that. So that turned out to be a longer year than expected. But yeah, then after that, signed at signed at Adelaide. Um, got the opportunity to move back home and sign at the club that you know I grew up watching and get coached by someone I used to mm. sit behind the goal and you know watch them do the warm-up and watch them play the game and try to get little tips off so it was for me it was a no-brainer to to come to Adelaide and have the opportunity to you know at that time hopefully hopefully get some A-League game time um and I've got so many questions out. oh my gosh this is going to go forever <laughs> which is a, which is a good thing so thank you for sharing that no you're welcome first of all so, like, does anyone actually ever want to be a goalkeeper? As you said, you want to be a striker, right? So yeah. it's like when you do creative player on FIFA, you're not going no. to go, cool, I'm going to be the keeper. Hey, man, I play creative player and I put myself up front. Yeah, so what what made you want to stay being a keeper? I don't know. Like, to be honest, when I started, I was terrible. I had no specialised training or anything until, you know, I was in my early teenage years. And I was terrible. Used to cry after every goal went in. My parents, I must have been so embarrassed. It was just this kid crying in the goal, trying to stop it. And um, yeah, I, I really do not know. Like the first year I was a keeper, I was doing like half and goal, half up front. So I was getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. Like I'd, you know, I'd concede four and then I'd go up and try and score four, and you know, even it out. <laughs> but I really don't know. It, it was just one of these things. I just. Stayed in goals, stayed in goals. I remember my first trial at Cumberland. They said, uh, who here's a keeper? I was trying to, you know, sort out positions. Put my hand up. I was the only keeper. They're like, right, you're in. So that was just how I got into, like, here in, in Adelaide. I, just, I was the only keeper. And then I think there in my first year in under 12s, I started to get a little bit of specialised training. I yeah, think- so there must have been a point for you where you've gone, I'm actually getting better at Getting this. better, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it was like, you know, once I do a bit of training, I'm seeing him getting better, making more saves. You know, you make a save, you feel good. Yeah. You're trying to get help in the team. So I think it was just that sense of do a bit of training and get better and then it feel the effect in the game and making more saves. And I think that must have just been addictive for me because I'm still going. So Yeah, yeah. Can you talk me through the scholarship process? Because mm. um, there's different uh, – what I love about doing on this podcast is giving people an insight into – um, the different structures of contracts and agreements. Yeah. We've um, spoken to some of the um, the A League women players about it, and who like Fiona Wirtz is working at McDonald's while mm. playing for Adelaide United. The scholarship program, um, you're obviously not compensated financially as much as a full contract, no. right? So, for you as a kid going to Central Coast or yeah. then going to Melbourne City, how do you survive? Because mate, living in Melbourne isn't cheap. Yeah, look. Because you've got the same contact hours, easy. right? You've got the same contact hours as, yeah. like, if you go to Melbourne City and just say this year's squad, you've got Andrew Naboot there and Jamie McLaren. Yeah. You've got to train the same as them and all that other stuff. Yeah. But things are obviously different financially no, of cost of living. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, you know, a passage, right? A passage as a, as a young player. Um, I think we're very fortunate that we have the opportunity for these scholars. Like, for me, I think I was in, I was in year 12, 17, and they got the opportunity for a scholar. And, you know, the the scholars, they improve as you get a bit older. That's just how it works. And, like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I was on big money. Like, it was just an opportunity to go be a professional and just try and get better. And, like, you know, the lifestyle, okay, it wasn't 
wasn't a professional football lifestyle that I think a lot of my schoolmates thought I was going to live. But it wasn't about that. It was about I need to get better. I want to get better. I want to try and become a professional footballer. So that's just that's just what I had to do. And I'm very fortunate that you know I have parents that are very supportive and, and could help me out if I needed the financial support, which you know some other people don't. So I'm very lucky in that sense. Something you just said really stood out to me because I love the NBA. Love the NBA, right? There's a player who plays for um, the Golden State Warriors. His name's Draymond Green. He's like he's a veteran now, so he's mm-hmm. been playing for over. 10 years, he's won um, three championships. Um, What he said about the NBA now, which I think sometimes resonates with football in any sport, sometimes people coming into the system think they know what it's like to be a professional. But now in 2022, it's, yeah, it's about cars and Instagram and everything and football come secondary. So for them, basketball mm. comes secondary. Yeah. Do you find as you're getting a bit older, I mean, you're not old, but you know what I mean? You're, you're maturing. Yeah. Yeah. There's that mentality sometimes of kids coming into the league that might think it's all this, their mind goes off football, then they're spat out and they're, they're back playing MPL. Yeah, no, I think, I think it does happen. I mean, you know, I think when I even came into being professional, I was quite naive and thought, you know, I was all this and come into a professional environment. I'm coming to A-League, leaving school. And I got there and I was like, wow, this is not what I expected. And I'm back down the pecking order. I was the youngest in the squad. You know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, you know, to help out around the, you know, I'm taking the bins out, things like that. It was just, it was a real eye-opener for me. Um, so, yeah, I think as I've got a little bit older and younger players are coming in, you do see that some come in and, you know, they were like me in a sense and have a, maybe a bit of a chip on their shoulder and expect things to maybe be given to them or that it's going to be this sort of glamorous lifestyle. But... I think when you're younger, you just just head down, work hard. That's just the biggest thing and wait for your opportunity, especially at a club like Adelaide. If you head down, work hard, do the right things, listen, improve, you're going to get an opportunity to, to show yourself. Uh, you can answer this in any way that you like. Um I'm, so I personally, right, I was I used to work in radio and I mm. lost my job like almost two years ago. But I look back on it and I'm grateful for it, right? Yeah. Um, I love seeing people like Joe Coletti, um, work his ass off to be a consistent performer for Adelaide United. Do you sometimes reflect on, say, your Central Coast times and look back and go, I'm actually glad that that happened because 100%. it helped me understand how to be a professional, how to handle adversity 100%. and know that football isn't like everything's not rosy and it's how you handle the adversity which brings out the best yeah, in you? No, 100%. Like going there, I thought I'm going to go in, I'm going to show myself, I'm going to play I'm going to secure a longer deal. And, you know, I'm going to really break in really early, which I, which I wanted to do. And like I said, I got there. I was like, wow, I'm not at the level. Had to improve, had to improve. Thought I was, you know, I thought I'd improved quite well and I was doing well, like you always do. And then didn't get, didn't get another contract. Um, and I was like, whoa, this is, this is not what I expected. Um, you know, I went from, I think, being on the bench to playing under 20s in the MPL. So it was like one extreme to the other, being so close to so far away. And, you know, that was a bit of my own fault in terms of form and things like that. But, yeah, I, I got released, came home, and I was like, you know, I was this close to you know, nearly just work, going back and working a normal job. Um, it was the day, I think it was a couple of days after the season finished, I went for a job interview. I came back from the job interview and I got a call from my agent saying that I'd got a contract at Melbourne City. So I've been really close to sort of the dream for me, not being over because, you know, I was never just going to give up. I was always going to come back. That was the whole point of coming back and 
getting game time for me was just come back, play games, try and show myself. And, you know, I had to go on trials and things like that to prove myself. But 100%, like, like, like you asked, um, the experiences for me of getting released, um, you know, and going into an environment and not being comfortable being, you know, pretty much way off it in terms of the pace of the game. I've just sort of built resilience for me in terms of, I think, you know, dealing with injuries like I've had over the last, you know, 12, 18 months. have just built sort of a stronger character. Um, I think especially as a keeper, you know, one mistake and, you know, you've, you've conceded a goal. So you've got to have a bit of mental resilience and I think all these things have, have helped with that. Let's talk about now because you're at Adelaide United, which is great. Um, the come home factor how, how much does it have an impact to know that you can come home to a bit of, I guess, comfort knowing that you're in your, your home state, mm. um, playing for the team that obviously you grew up supporting yeah. after having experience interstate? I think it's really important for people to get out of their comfort zone. But yeah. does it make it easier going, yeah, it's a no-brainer, I get to come home? The the coming home factor wasn't as big for me. Um, obviously, you know, love my family I had a girlfriend who's in Adelaide we did long distance for two years that I was away which was you know difficult being so young um but it was all for me it was always about the football and coming to a club where there was no really number one at the time um working under a coach like Eugene with so much experience that was the the seller for me and then the it being Adelaide was just a, a bonus on top of that um, I think, you know, if it was about staying at home, I probably never would have left in the first place. Um, so going away and spending two years out of home was like, yeah, I can do this. I can live out of home. Mm. Um, I can get through. So it was always about where am I going to get the best opportunity because I spent sort of the back end of the season before I joined on the bench and was getting really hungry to get an opportunity to play. So that was the most important for me. The, the journey that you and James have had, uh, as our one and two goalkeepers has been unbelievable. And Crazy. like to look back on it, you, you kind of think sometimes they're like sliding doors moments. If this didn't happen, this wouldn't happen. If this didn't happen, this wouldn't happen. It's pretty surreal when you think about it. Hey, because yeah. as you said, when you came to the club, it got almost to the first game where we didn't know who was going to be the number one choice keeper. Yeah. But what it feels like now in the best way possible, we don't have a number one choice yeah. keeper. We've just got two brilliant keepers that are ready to go. Um, so what's that like in the lead up to game one where you're like, you're there with James. You obviously oh, yeah. don't wish ill on anybody, but you're thinking he's, you're my teammate, but you're technically my opponent on the training tack as well. Yeah. That's just, that's just the life of a keeper. Like, you know, we're we have, the keeper union. People talk about it. It's true. We all get along. We all have good friendly banner. We work hard, but we're all competition at the same time. So it has been, it's been a good dynamic. I think, all of the keepers that get on, we've got young Ethan, young Stevie. I mean, we're all young. I shouldn't say young, but we've got Stevie, Ethan, myself, James. Like We're all very young. I think James is the oldest at 22. So it's a great young dynamic. And then we've got the most experienced keeper that has ever played in the A-League as our coach. So it's just a, a really great dynamic. Um, but yeah, from, from when I joined, we all got on well. Um, I think it was the first week of training. I actually did my hamstring. So I was sort of on the on the back end of the preseason coming coming back into training. Um, so I think initially I knew that I wasn't going to be playing. It was just I had no games, things like that. Um, and then, you know, it was just a case, like I said before, head down, work hard, 
got myself at the time. I think Dakota was still here, so I got myself onto the bench. And then, like I said, it was just injury sliding doors moment. You know, unfortunately, Hobson injury is playing. I think he started the season unbelievable. I think he had like five man of the match performances in the first. I don't know how many nine games or something. He's playing unbelievable for someone who's just started mm. you know, first season in the A League. And um, yeah, I get an opportunity and. You know, I was very grateful for the opportunity. Learned so much in the games that I played, and unfortunately, you know, then the back end of the season, I get injury as well. Um, but like I said before, it makes you more resilient, you know, and and the games make you more hungry to play. I think for the both of us coming into this season, it was like we've both had a taste now. You know, James at the start was in the bit in the middle, and he was back in the end, and it was like, yeah, we're both ready to to go at it. Um, so, what injuries have you had over the past two years? Uh, hamstring. Um, ruptured rec fem my quad that was what I did last year yeah. um, so that was that was three months um, and then I redid it in preseason um, so that was another eight weeks so and this yeah. for, for me this never happens right like I, I, I don't know but if you're if you're sitting on the bench mm. as a keeper so mm. say you're watching James Delinov and you are you expecting to go on nah. during that game? No. Nah. You do have some moments when your heart race. Like if you see the keeper come flying out the box, you're like, if he doesn't get there, he's off. If he doesn't get the ball, he cleans up the player. He's going he's gonna to be a red card. He's off. So you have moments where you're like, like it, could, it could be a close one. Um, I remember my first couple of games on the bench. I think the keeper that was in goals came flying out, collected the player. I was like, oh, I'm on here. Got a yellow. I was like, Oof. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so you, you do have moments. Um, I think early on, more early earlier when you when you're on the bench. I mean, I mean Stevie when he came on the other week, he would have been, God, his heart would have been. Well, been I watched Stevie because when <laughs> when James went down, I thought, oh, this isn't good. And then you look at Stevie, who looks like he's soiled himself. Yeah, but he goes on, and that was incredible, right? Yeah. We we at the club have this amazing thing where we just create moments. Like yeah. Motures had moments, you know, Nesta on the weekend. It's a beautiful thing about football. Yeah, but um. I guess you need to be at the ready. But as you said, there's a part of you probably thinking, I just got to warm up and just see what happens. Yeah, no, exactly. That's, you know, most of the time you're on the bench, you just spend the time warming up and watching the game. You know, obviously you're mentally you're in the game. You're thinking, okay, maybe I have to come on. What do I have to do? We prepare the same, you know, throughout the week. So you're still preparing to play. Um, but knowing you're playing and being on the bench, the mentally it's two different, very, like two different ways of preparing mentally. Um, you know, so it, it is, it is different. Obviously you always say prepare to play, but it's, it's not the same at all, you know? So yeah, on the bench, you, as a keeper, most of the time you, you don't get on, but you know, it's been, I think, you know, we've had it twice now in mm. the last two seasons, you know, obviously I got injured in the warm up last year and, you know, James is just going through the warm up, warming me up. And then all of a sudden bang, you're in, you've got to play. It's, it's not ha- mentally, you, you know, you're not prepared for the game. Yeah. So it is a little bit different, but. I mean, Stevie, he, he did unbelievable when he came on. He looked so calm. Um, I know he was nervous. I spoke to him after the game. He said he was nervous, but he didn't look it when he was playing, did he? Not at all. No, nah, nah, he didn't. Um, I have two more keeping questions, and we'll go to some fan questions. No worries. Um, these, these might be naive. So have you ever played in a game where the keeper's been subbed off at halftime because of a poor performance, and they're subbing the other mm. keeper? Does that ever happen? Maybe in juniors. Yeah. It might have been me in juniors, actually. Or maybe I let too many in and they sub me up, put me up top. <laughs> and what happens if, so say Delhi gets injured, mm. Stephen comes on and he gets mm. a red card. Who is then keeper? How does that work? 
Or a player. I mean, so someone puts the gloves on. Do you nominate them? Yeah, I think I think Luis Dorigo. He puts his hand up every time. He wants to be goalkeeper, but he's short. Yeah, he flies around the goal. He thinks he's Spider Man. I think mm. he loves Spider Man. Oh, because he looks like him. Yeah, yeah. That's what everyone <laughs> thinks. He looks like him. Yeah, off wish. He looks like the wish version. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, you mentioned this a couple of times. Eugene Galakovic yeah. um, is a softly spoken, beautiful human being that we're lucky to have at the club. There was, mm. a, there was a time where he wasn't at the club and um, he's back, which is great because I think we're, we're in a position where um, we, we've got a, a nice relationship with our past players. What's that like to have him as a mentor to guide you? I've, I've heard him several times give directions in re- mm. with real authority. He's a former yeah. captain, championship winning captain. What, what's that like? No, it's, it's pretty special. I mean, I think there was a period where I took it for granted. Um, you know, it's probably towards the middle of last year, um, you know, just before I sort of started playing that I was taking it for granted. And so I, took, I think I was just in, in the middle of a session. I was like, why not ask him more questions? Like, I just need to ask more questions. And I try and ask as many as possible because he pretty much has the answer for everything. Um, and then when I started playing, like the knowledge that he gave me and just the experience, just little things just to – you know, fool the other player if I have the ball at my feet or setting up the wall or directing, you know, the players in front of me. You know, it's a different pace when you come into a, you know, came into the A-League games. Um, obviously, I'd been training in the A-League for you know, two and a half years. So, but playing the game, it was a bit of a different pace. Um, so, it's just these little things that I would never have thought of, never have thought of to do that he was able to give me. Um, and that makes makes a world of a difference. And then, you know, I start to do them, they become habits. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I said we do it. We you know review the games and things like that, and I can see myself doing these things that he said. It's like, wow, it's really you know it's paying off. Like asking these questions and listening and improving, getting better, becoming more comfortable in the games, becoming more confident in the games. You know that's that's when you see the the practice has, has really paid off and the guidance that he's given us as well. Uh, you were a GPS, yeah. How far do you run in a game? Uh, I think I average. I mean, Stu, our GPS guy, would be able to. I think I average about six and a half Ks. Jeez, that's all right. Um, the other question I had, Thomas Glover, which mm-hmm. is um, – it's, it's funny because his surname's Glover and yeah. he's a keeper, right? It's like John Butcher if he was a butcher. <laughs> yeah. Um, why, why does he take so long to kick the ball out? Is this a tactic? I – because he, uh, we were watching him. Right? I might have to ask him. But, but but is this a goalkeeping thing where you're like, let's draw some time out, or do you just put the ball down? And you're like, oh, let's just have a moment to just realize what we're doing here. Well, I mean, I took my time on the weekend, but we were two one up in the 95th minute, so you're going to yeah. take your time. How but, far can you push it until you get a yellow card? I I pushed the limit. I think on the weekend, I think I threw the ball out the six yard box, mm. tried to drink out my water bottle. Water bottle was empty. <laughs> Opened it, unscrewed it to check if there was any water in it. <laughs> And he was standing there looking at me. I was like, oh, sorry, mate, sorry, mate. But, um, yeah, I don't really know how far you can push it. Some refs are quite lenient and some are they'll be straight onto you if they know yeah. what you're doing. But, yeah, maybe that's a tactic from them to slow the game down. Um, like the goalkeepers who, like, could just walk up and catch the ball. Yeah. The ones who just jump and dive when there's no need to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's just ridiculous. I would, I would I agree. never do that. I agree. It's yeah, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, hey, COVID. You had COVID, yeah? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So what was that like? Um, I haven't had COVID yet. No, well, I say touch yet. Wood, you don't touch wood, yeah. Um, oh, it was a fun experience, I suppose. I mean, you, it had, was just, you had like symptoms and everything. Yeah, I had symptoms. I mean, the the weirdest one, you know, obviously I just had a sore throat, blocked nose, things like that, feeling a bit, you know, just down in yeah. terms of energy. But I lost my taste for 
it wasn't that long. I've heard some people lost it for, you know, longer periods of time. But I think it was like only three or four days I lost my taste. Right. Um, so that was interesting when I was trying to eat food. You know, I had parents dropping me around. And just, um, it's a great way to lose weight because you could, you could eat celery and you wouldn't be able to taste it. And you're like, oh, I'm eating steak. Yeah, I could. But they kept dropping me around nice dinners and I was eating them. And, you know, they text me how it was. And I was like, oh, yeah, it was good. And it was good. And I couldn't taste a thing. It was. Were you scared at all that, like, you were going to get really sick? No. No, okay. I, I I wasn't. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm fit and healthy and, yeah. you know. There's um, just so much yeah, unknown, so. especially when like, I don't know, you know, when when Josh had COVID, Josh mm. was our first player to get it, wasn't yes. he? Yeah. It's like when the first player at each A-League men's club gets it, you, I reckon you'd feel a bit of guilt going, oh, I've done that. And then people are starting to get it. It's been yeah. a bit normalized and all this other stuff. But Yeah, I mean – yeah, well, I think I was only a couple of days after him. I got it just after Christmas. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, a bit of guilt. But at the same time, you know, we're trying to, you know, open up and live a normal life and yeah. things like that. So I think it's just going to become unavoidable and, you know, it's going to happen to some people at some stage and it's just, you know, you just deal with it. All right, Joe, we've um, got some fan questions here and uh, you can get involved by listening to the Pitch Podcast there's a lot, mate, and I'll be honest with you. The fan questions are great, but there's some real honking ones real as well. Real honking ones, all right. Um, I haven't seen these ones, so these might be the best ones we've ever had, but, like, some of them are real bad. Okay. Um, but we're inclusive here, so we're just going to ask everything, so let's get straight into That's it. Can right. we follow you on social media somehow? Yeah. Um, well, tell in, us. Instagram, Joe underscore Gauchi. Mm. Um, Twitter is Joe Gauchi 46 I believe. Good highlight on the weekend uh, for someone who is an avid watcher of the Pitch Podcast. I loved when Hiroshi scored that goal. There was a bit of push and shove with Jordan Elsie, uh, Newcastle Jets, just to say, but you stayed with us, mate. You know what? You could have got the three points. We'll just take them home. All right, here we go. Char Langley on Facebook. How did those two penalty saves feel last season against Central Coast Mariners? Um, no, it was pretty... Pretty special, I think, being, you know, an ex-player from there as well. Um, it was kind of good to go there and, and do it. But to be honest, at the end of the game, I was really disappointed because we lost. So as good as it, it was, it was really bittersweet. Uh, that's the best way to sum it up. If you have a player that is lining up for a penalty mm-hmm. and they have two consecutive penalties, what's going through your mind? Are you, are you watching film of them in the lead up and thinking, okay, so they've gone left this time. I know they're going to go right. Like what, what's going through your head? I think the first one, you know, you might have a bit of an idea, but the second one is more just mental because, you know, do they go the same way? Do they change it? And you try to look at their, maybe their run up, things like that. You know, you maybe try move to try and throw them off. Um, but I think the second one's just more mental because, you know, especially if you've saved the first one. Um, I was fortunate in that sense that they changed penalty takers, mm. so it made it a little bit easier. But, yeah, it's definitely a mental battle if the same player is to take the second one, like like uh, Tommy Urich did last year, you know, hat-trick of penalties. I would have hated to have been, to been very giddy in that game because it's just a mental battle. You you know, you might know where he's going to go most likely for his first one, but the second and third, it's probably... Will you look at Eugene and he'll go, yep, cool, just remember this is the film you've watched. Um, this is the way he's probably going to go? No, I no. don't look at it's Eugene, not. no. Um, if you were saving a penalty against Goody, does the little tiptoe pitter-patter thing, does that frustrate keepers or is that just yeah. a thing now? No, it frustrates you. I think it's just harder and harder to wait because 
you know, as a keeper, if you have an idea of what side they're going to go, you might cheat a little bit and go early. But with that, you know, he watches the keepers. He watches you. Like we practice, he practices them in training all the time. Okay. Um, and you know, it makes it, it's even really hard in training. There's no pressure or anything, but it's like, you've got to wait, 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 wait. But it's good because, you know, he can practice his run up and I can yeah. practice waiting. It's just, we both get to, you know, practice facing that, that sort of penalty. Hey, congratulations, Goody, as well, scoring for the uh, Socceroos and also former Adelaide United player Riley McGree. Very nice work. Uh, Thomas Russo on Facebook, who are your goalkeeping idols? Um, no, I may probably have a few. Um, I think I think Matty Ryan would be one as being Australian, breaking into the A-League quite young, obviously having a few move, like moves overseas, things like that, into the Premier League. And, and, you know, he'd definitely be an idol because that's quite a close pathway for myself. Yep. Um, and then, you know... Casper Schmeichel, Peter Schmeichel. Are they the Schmeichel brothers? I don't know. Well, are they <laughs> Father and son. Okay. Father and son. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I was close. Yeah, you went far. Family yeah. members. Um, but yeah, a lot of keepers. I, I, I like looking at all sorts of different keepers because keepers from different countries and things have different techniques and different ways of doing things. So I like learning off everyone. Thomas underscore... Labrociano on Instagram, favorite <laughs> moment of our championship at Burks. <laughs> Tom Lab. Um, yeah, we that year, that first year I went to to Bicala, we under 18s, we won the league. Um, favorite moment would have to be the final. Um, I think we played Adelaide City. We won 2 1. Um, and I actually saved a Carlo Armiento penalty Ooh. in that game as well. So that year, we I think Adelaide City, we played each other like five times or something. And me and Carlo going at it and you know, then he's broken into the A-League and I've been lucky enough to do it as well. So it's kind are. of a cool story. Jake underscore, high, uh, Jake underscore Highwood on Instagram. What's your favourite soccer moment playing for Sacred Heart College? Sacred Heart College. Um, not sure. I mean, I, I didn't get to play too many intercalls. We were our intercalls against uh, Ross Trevor. I, I didn't get to play in many of them, but I think the ones I did play and we lost. Um, I don't know. I think just the good times playing with mates that I grew up with, yep. uh, that would probably be the best thing. Jack Lewis, triple three on Instagram. Do you have aspirations to play in Europe? Of course. Uh, Fergus underscore Riemann on Instagram. What's the worst thing you've seen on a football field or from the crowd? I mean, be careful how you answer this. Yeah, I mean, on the football pitch, um, someone someone getting knocked out. Mm. I mean, that's that's pretty scary. Okay. Uh, ben Axford, 33. How do you stay calm and relaxed when you're playing big games? Um, I mean, you know, you're not always calm and relaxed, but I just play yourself into the game. Get a few touches early on is always nice, and then you know you just sort of you sort of uh, you just take over from there. Just all instinct. You listen to music before a game? Um, no, nah, just whatever's playing in the change room. You know, I like to stay quite relaxed. And you just... listen to podcasts, though, yeah. You're a podcast guy. Yeah, in in the car and things like that. I've what do you listen to apart from the pitch podcast? Um, listen to Ben Foster's podcast. Uh, another keeper. I'm not sure if you know, but you know Ben Foster. Is. Yeah, Ben Foster. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is he related to the um, the other guys, the Schmeichels? Yeah, cousins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no, like, um, his podcast, high performance podcast, few like mental things like that. You know, that and some of the tips I get from those podcasts help me keep calm. So yeah, Tim from the Pitch Podcast on Instagram. Is this you? He finds a way to insert himself into the podcast every week. Every week. You could have just asked it. You're right here. Just ask him here. Okay. Can we refer to you as Bishop Gauchi in our social posts? I don't even know who that is. He's a bishop from Darwin. 
he's based in Darwin and he's an actual bishop. And I figure you being a goalkeeper. What's his name? Sega, uh, bishop Yachi. In Darwin. In Darwin. Yes. Not even from Adelaide. No. Wow. All right. No. So this I'll, everybody. I'll pass on let's that. give Tim a round of applause for the worst question <laughs> ever asked on the pitch podcast. Well done, mate. That's quality. <laughs> like he's behind the camera. We don't <laughs> edit this. I know. And I wish we did. No. Now it's just shambles. you can't cut this out. If the ratings go down, we know why. We're going to go from thirteen viewers to twelve, mate. <laughs> All right, Jed. What's for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> That's my brother. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's his turn to cook. Okay. Um, there's a couple which we've already answered in the uh, like the full edition of the podcast. So the question of what made you want to become a goalkeeper and when did you sign your first contract? Just uh, for the people who are watching this, go back and have a listen. Uh, pa.di.i.i on Instagram. Happy with your FIFA card rating? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it's it's not great, is it? But I don't know. Aaron Ramos three eight two five on Instagram. Best teammate you've played with? Oh God, that's a terrible question. Oh, sorry, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stitch up either, no matter how I, how I answer it. I mean, I've had some fantastic teammates. Um, well, who's your worst teammate you've ever played with? <laughs> um, nah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's have a think from the current squad. Um, I'm going to go Michael Jakobsen. Okay. I love Jakob. He's he's top guy. Uh, Conradandro on Instagram, what would be the dream club to play for? Um, Dream Club. Me being Manchester City supporter, probably probably have to say Manchester City. Stavro uh, Shatzigianis on Facebook. Favorite football moment as a fan? Favorite football moment as a fan? Adelaide United winning the league. The Bernie know. Mac on Instagram. What kind of strength training exercises do you do as a goalkeeper? Um. We do a variety of things, lots of power. Um, so what we'll do, I guess, separate from the rest of the players is lots of power things. So lots of plyometrics, jumps, things like that. Luke Bratton on Instagram. <laughs> Why do you get haircuts at 11 p.m.? <laughs> it's whenever I can get in, to be fair. It's whenever I can get in. Thanks, Luke, Luke Bratton on Instagram. Why do you go to the beach at 10 p.m.? <laughs> no, lately the weather's been, been good, hasn't it? This is great. I love that Luke Bratton watches this podcast. I hope he does. He's asking all these questions. You better watch it. Alan Riley on Instagram. What's the worst thing about being nearly two metres tall? Worst thing? Mm. Uh, Flying. Grace.m.14 on Instagram. Your funniest teammate? Funniest teammate? Not Stefan Mork. No. So anyone else really? Okay, lozza.g.16 on Instagram. If you could give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, be patient. Braden L99 on Twitter. If Malta were to call you up, would you accept or hold out until Australia comes calling? Um, I'm not sure right now. I think I just have to, to wait and see. Okay, we'll just wait and see on that one. Uh, and Harry Scobie 4 on Instagram, what advice would you give upcoming goalkeepers? Um... Work hard, and most important thing is the keepers to, to enjoy. If you're not enjoying it, then maybe become a striker. What are you watching on TV? What are you streaming at the moment? Anything? Um, Not really. I mean, okay. I just watched the Neymar documentaries. That oh, was, yeah, is that all right? Yeah, that was all right. That was all right. Um, been watching on away. I'm only really watch stuff on away trips because we have so much time. Yeah. I've uh, been watching Manifest on Netflix. Okay. That's okay. I mean, it's a pretty easy watch, and it just always ends on a cliffhanger, so I just always end up watching the next episode. It's yeah. Just, just really just one of those, isn't it? All right. Well, good chat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. 
Thanks for those questions apart from Tim. Whoa. No, it's not bad. That's over to you. Um, now, we've got this shirt here, which mm-hmm. we're going to get you to sign. Does anyone have a texter? This is the part where I've noticed the whole time we normally have a texter that sits right here like a Sharpie. And in He's my too mind, focused on his question. That's it. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? There's going to be a point where we need to sign the top and I have an organised texter. Um, so, look, just pretend to sign it right now. Then we'll do it. Um, this has been great speaking to you, mate. Thank you very much for your honesty as well. No, um, it's been welcome. good getting to know you, and um, congratulations, because as I said, this your journey and what you've learned from it so far is awesome, and you're young. You've got a big future ahead of you. Okay. Oh! oh. Sign it wherever you like. Um, we have a big game coming up this Friday night. Doubleheader, don't forget, Sydney FC. It is going to be huge. Joe Gouge here. We're going to give away this top at the end of the season as well, mate. Um, appreciate it. And uh, all the best with your recovery from whatever injury that you always have. And um, let's hope you stay fit. <laughs> let's hope I stay fit. <laughs> no, man, it's, um, it's great to have you playing really good football consistently as well. So touch wood, stay fit. We love it. Thanks for your time <laughs> Cheers, on the pitch. Mate. Thank you.